The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran my vision for 2018 this time next year eating animals will be on par with smoking cigarettes quite a few people still do it but it hasn't been cool in a long, long time. I'm Victoria Moran, and welcome back to the first Main Street Vegan radio show after a rather lengthy holiday break. I hope you had a wonderful time celebrating all the holidays you celebrate. I do Christmas all 12 days, and I consider January a month-long holiday because you get to say Happy New Year all through the 31st, and nobody thinks you're odd. So what I've been doing for New Year's is deep Deep cleaning and super organizing, kind of like that woman that wrote the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. It's a lot of work, but it feels like I'm preparing for an amazing 2018, and I know that we're going to be presenting you with amazing programming. We've got coming up Dr. Melanie Joy, the Vegan Bros, Dr. Joel Kahn, Dr. Doug Graham of the 801010 Diet, James Asprey, the young Australian who didn't speak for 365 days to stand in solidarity with the animals. Cool, isn't it? And today, after the break, I'll be talking with filmmaker Nelson Campbell of Plant Pure Nation and his legendary dad, T. Colin Campbell, Ph.D. of the China Study. And right now... We are going to learn about the coolest song that those of you listening to the podcast have ever heard and that those of you listening live have never heard. (laughs) That means that our new wonderful music was supposed to be put in for this show, but it's only going to be there for the podcast, but that's okay. So you guys who are listening live can say, I was there to hear the old music for the very last time. You know what? Sometimes you've just got to loosen up and lighten up and have some fun and and snap your fingers and do a little dance. And that is exactly what I felt like when I heard a just glorious rockin' song called Vegan Girls with a Z. And that is the jazzy new music that is going to be leading you in and out of our program starting this week, uh, joining us from Lynchfield, UK, is vegan girl songwriter and lead musician Rob Mills. His social hey. media alter ego is Easy V, and that's easy with a Z. You sense a theme here. Rob's goal is to inspire people to embrace veganism through the power of music. Welcome, and oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much for your fabulous song, Rob Mills. 
Thank you, Victoria, and uh, Happy New Year. Oh, uh, thank you. Yes, I'm um, humbled to be um, in, in the company of such of the names that you've read out that are going to be on your show. So it's wonderful to uh, come on your show and uh, yeah, talk about uh, my song, which, of course, um, yeah, I'm so looking forward to hearing it being on your uh, show uh, in, the, in the future months. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it would go really well. <laughs> you and me, too. You know, I don't even know. Well, yes, I do know how I first heard your song. You or somebody on your team sent it to me as a Facebook message. And I just clicked on it. And often I don't click on things because I'm kind of overwhelmed. And sometimes a click, you know, can open up a great big door. Mm -hmm. And I listened and then I played it for my husband and then I called my daughter and played it for her. And then I listened some more times and then I danced and my dog danced. (laughs) This is a wonderful, wonderful song. How did you start on Vegan Girls? Um, Well, basically, um, it started. It's basically a song about my first vegan girlfriend. Um, I mean, I went vegan probably five years ago now, um, and my first vegan girlfriend was like maybe three years ago, a girl called Jana from Bulgaria. Um, and I was just like, you know, um, sort of like, uh, I guess I had this really good feeling about our relationship at the time. And, and, and I just, well, I'll tell you what happened was I put a Facebook post of me and her up on Facebook. And then, um, one of my Australian friends, Kathy Aitken, she sort of put, um, a remark on, on a comment on the post and she put uh she's hot she's vegan <laughs> uh, and, and then i always put underneath uh, pinch me i'm a dreaming and then I sort of looked at it and i thought hold on a sec that that could be a song right there you know so uh you know and I, it's it's um one of those things when you're sort of feeling all happy and that you tend to write more songs and that's why a lot of songs are about love and stuff like that i guess um that's certainly what brings it out of me so i just got you know straight away just picked up the guitar and um, just sang that, that that those lyrics right there. And it just it seemed to work with the chords I was playing. I was right, so I was like, right then, let's um, let's write a tune out of this, and uh, and there you go. So um, there we have it. I mean, the, one of the best parts about it was um, was actually putting the video together as well. Once I'd got the song, you know, and I recorded it, I recorded it with um, a local producer who said, you know, he, he really thought it was catchy and. Um, so got together with, um, sorry, I put, um, things out on Facebook, on social media, just saying to all the vegan community that, I, that I'm friends with on Facebook, uh, well, aiming it at the girls, just saying like, I've written this song, Vegan Girls, if you want to be in the video, then, uh, just send in, send in your clips. And, uh, that's basically when you watch the video, most of it is comprised of, um, you know, gorgeous vegan girls, just they've sent their clips in from around the world. And it's a really fun video. You know, I've showed them to, to the video to people uh, kind of, you know, more my age. And they're like, oh, you know, like like it's a little bit racy. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know what? Um, I am of a certain age, but I'm not dead. And the cool <laughs> thing about this, you know, I know there's a lot in our society now about, you know, let's treat women with the utmost respect. But it's very clear with your video these are women who film themselves and they're showing yeah you know what i'm hot i'm vegan exactly yeah and and, you know they're they're full of confidence um there is one or two racy moments in there as you say but uh it's only uh, you know it's fun it's they're just having fun um and it's you know it's very watchable um i had so many really positive comments you know in in the in the comment section on the youtube video and you know um it's just people just say to me like i can't get the song out of my head you know it's just stuck in my head and i think well that's job done as a, as a songwriter exactly. <laughs> what you want to do isn't it you sort of like it's, if it's memorable and it stays in your head i know that can sometimes be annoying <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I mean, you know <laughs> it's not so annoying when it's a really fun song and, and in terms of the video one of the other things that i think is so great about it and that i noticed immediately is there are all body sizes this is not like okay here is what a hot vegan end quote looks like it's like no you're you're hot and vegan when you say you're hot and vegan so hooray for all of that well yes for sure i mean i just um i said i was going to use all of the clips that were sent in and that's what i did pretty much one or two that we had technical issues with but apart from that all of the clips 
that got sent in got used. Um, some of the best ones were through another Australian. I've got quite a few vegan Australian friends. Um, uh, a lady called Lindy Bell, who's actually I don't know if you've heard of uh, Freely the Banana Girl. She's yes. quite yeah. That well, that's uh, that's um, Freely's mother, Lindy, who oh. we're good friends with, and she got some of the girls. They were having like a vegan potluck at one of the parks in Australia. So you see that in um, the scene where you've got the lake in the background and all the girls dancing together. Um, you know, there's a girl called um, Kahadi who's like the vegan dancer girl. She 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 really contributed quite a lot to that as well. And to the to the next song that I did, Truth Bomb, she contributed quite a lot to that video as well. So some lovely vegan people there in Australia. Well, it's so international, and that's a really cool thing about the video. And just, you know, even about talking to you today, I mean, you and I met at VegFest UK in London, and, you know, here we are. Mm-hmm. This is a global movement. Yes. So, and, carry on, sorry. Well, no, I was just going to ask about the song. Now, you originally sold it on Bandcamp and gave the proceeds to animal sanctuaries. So you're a true ethical vegan. Well, yeah, I just uh, thought, well, what can I, you know, if I sell the song, which is, you know, most most artists, they will put music out and try and sell it. And I thought, well, I can sell it, but I can just say, you know, let's put it to a good cause. So, you know, uh, some of the money from Vegan Girls, well, all of the money went to uh, animal charities or sanctuaries. The first part of the money went to Animals Australia, but then I learned that they weren't exactly a vegan um charity so i swapped it over to another um an actual animal sanctuary over there in australia and then um i said the second song i did truth bombs yeah same same kind of thing um a charity over uh, animal sanctuary over here i I sort of like um diverted the money to and you know they made um um quite i don't know three or four hundred pounds across both the songs i think for uh that's wonderful and, and what a great idea for for other musicians. So all of these links, listeners, are going to be on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So you can purchase links at Bandcamp. You can watch on YouTube. Now, mm-hmm. Truth Bombs, the next song, what's that about? Well, that is just kind of like a follow-up to Vegan Girls, although it's, you know, it's more of a kind of serious song, if you like. And uh, it's definitely, I mean, the the title is Truth Bombs and then in brackets, Song for the Animals. So whereas Vegan Girls is all kind of poppy and it's about the vegan girls, uh, this is more like directed, uh, you know, to the veganism's ultimate cause, which is the animals. Um, And I just, I had this idea for the song and this riff like this guitar riff and then i don't know the song just i was in thailand at one of the vegan festivals over there and it just sort of came out of me i just wrote it um without really thinking about it too much you know it just bubbled out of me and um as i say it's more of a thoughtful song um and the other great thing that happened with that is um one of the girls that appeared on vegan girls video i became friends with on facebook a girl called noosh Anoush Grist, um, she actually ended up singing the um, sort of like soprano uh, backing vocals and whatnot that you hear on Truth Bombs, and she's got a beautiful voice. Um, and uh, so, I mean, when you listen to that song, it's, it's very kind of like, it's almost haunting, you know, but um, it's got a beautiful quality to it. And, uh, yeah, it ended up, a lot of people said it ended up sounding like my favourite band Muse, so I wasn't too um, I wasn't too uh, bothered. I mean, that was a good thing <laughs> for me. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. As I listen to you, and you know, being American to me, your your accent is just so charming. Well, okay. <laughs> I could listen to you recite the alphabet, and I would be, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you need to come over here and, and uh, tour and hit hit some of our veg fests. So, Rob, what's your 2018 vegan vision? Well, it's wonderful at the moment. You know, you've got so many... um, uh, You see this thing on social media where veganism seems to be exploding, which is great, you know. And there's even, like, uh, these, like, food lines coming out in the local sort of, like, um, you know, today I've been and bought a couple of things. There's a new um, line come out called Wicked, 
uh, Wicked Kitchen, I think it's called, or Wicked Healthy Foods. A guy called Derek Derek Sarno, I think his name is. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he's just brought out this whole sort of vegan line with like pizza and wraps and you know curries and stuff like that. And you know, to see that's great, you know. Um, so yeah, as, as as for my vision, you know, I just yeah, just carry on, um, you know, spreading the message. I might do another song. <laughs> Uh, I do have an idea for another sort of vegan theme song. Um, another catchy one, actually. Um, basically, on the um, the subject of the because um, McDonald's, you know, they bought out this uh, vegan burger, but it's only on trial in certain places at the moment. Don't know whether it's actually going to take off worldwide, but it would be. I know it's McDonald's, but you know, it's still it's it's getting veganism out into the mainstream. And I thought about I've got this little idea for a song. Um, and the song is going to be called McVegan if I do it, but you know, I'm going to see, <laughs> see well, if, uh, yeah. It's a great idea, but I'd be really careful because McDonald's likes to sue people who do that MC thing. The yeah. other uh, great lawsuit memory that I have along those lines, when I went to Tibet back in the nineties and I stayed in the Holiday Inn Lhasa, which I thought, Holiday Inn Lhasa, that sounds odd. But anyway, there's a Holiday Inn in Lhasa, Tibet, and they used to have a little coffee shop there that they called the Hard Yak Cafe. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) the Hard Rock people were not happy about that. But by the name Vegan or whatever other name, we look forward to your next wonderful song. And Rob, I just cannot thank you enough for for working with with me and with uh, Unity online media and letting us use clips of of vegan girls i just hope that it helps make more vegans and saves more animals yeah for sure and i'm 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 honored for you to have it uh, on your radio show um you do a wonderful job over there and um i hope it really works out for you and i hope you know um everyone really like loves it and accepts it for what it is which is just uh it's a fun song it's light-hearted but hopefully there's a you know a message about veganism in there where people can be inspired you know as you said at the top of the top of the show you know um it's all about the music thing is really good for um you know crossing boundaries and, and and inspiring people and getting people to perhaps look at different ways of thinking or feeling or doing so yeah sure absolutely <laughs> well i'm just going to envision maybe half the people who listen to this show kind of dancing as they're out there <laughs> with their <laughs> headset on so if you want to watch um, the video on on youtube it's vegan girls with a z the other song is truth bombs that's also on youtube and we'll put all the urls and all the social media on the main street vegan show notes Thank you so much, Mr. Rob Mills. Have a wonderful year. And everybody else, stay with us. We're going to be bringing on Nelson Campbell and Dr. T. Colin Campbell right after this. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller.
Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Well, that's part of our new little mini intro, so you'll be hearing the whole thing next week. Thanks so much to our wonderful engineer, Jeff Comfort, who just makes magic happen all the time for getting in a little bit of that new music. I know that a lot of you are doing so much hard work out there to change the world, and it's wonderful sometimes to just be able to sit back and listen and learn some of what some other people are doing to change the world. I do invite you to check things out at MainStreetVegan.net. We have all sorts of things going on over there, brand new cookbook, the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook, and on the events page, you can see where my co-author, J.L. Fields and I will be traveling and sharing about that. Coming right up, we've got Phoenix, Sedona, Los Angeles, Kansas City, more stuff going on in New York. Hope to see you. Uh, also over at MainStreetVegan.net, we do a weekly blog. This one, ooh, this one's controversial and interesting. It's called Four Cultural Taboos in Our Carnist Society. That's by novelist and Main Street Vegan certified coach and educator, Camille DeAngelis. So check us out. Subscribe to the blog. Read the show notes for this program and all the others so you'll have websites and social media info for our guests. Okay, no more waiting for the Campbells. That's why you're here. Live listeners, if you want to call in with a question, the call-in number from anywhere on earth is 816-347-5519. Dr. T. Colin Campbell is an American biochemist, the author of over 300 research papers and three books, including The China Study, the bestseller based on the research that the New York Times called the Grand Prix of Epidemiology. His son, well, one of his sons, Nelson Campbell, is director of the film Plant Pure Nation with theatrical release in over 100 cities in 2015. And he's also the founder of Plant Pure and the nonprofit Plant Pure Communities committed to making the plant-based nutrition message mainstream, including a new tour and campaign and film, Healing America. So welcome, gentlemen. Let me start with Dr. Campbell. Oh, thank you so much. It's so great to hear you. Because last time you were here, there was something we didn't get to. And I keep hearing about this and thinking about this. And I know that you have lots to say about it. And that is we have our plant-based doctors. We all know who they are. And they're great. And then there are these other well-known physicians who are in documentaries. And they go on Dr. Oz. And we see them around as well. And their thing is sugar, and that all of our dietary ills are caused by sugar. Now, I know that our people don't say, oh, go out and eat a lot of sugar. So I don't understand why is there this rift. Dr. Campbell, help me out. Okay, that's a really good question, by the way. Um, As we all know, the whole food, plant-based diet uh, is a source of a lot of carbohydrate. In fact, in general, it ought, the diet ought to be around 75 to 80% total carbohydrate. And so, you know, the idea is catching on, as we all know. It's also been a bit of an irritant to people who don't like the idea. And so they've looked for ways for some years now to sort of pick away at little things to tell it it's not quite what, you know, we think it is. And one of the best ways they came about uh, talking about this was with um, Dr. Atkins way back when, in the 70s and 80s when he started talking about the low-carb diet. And we're talking about a high-carb diet. He's talking about a low-carb diet. And so then he got on to that, never distinguishing between the different kinds of carbohydrates. I mean, carbohydrates really only come from plants, basically. But there's two major distinctions. One is the natural carbohydrates. We call them sometimes complex carbohydrates. That's the dietary fiber and things like that. And then there's the other thing is refined carbohydrates. That's the table sugar. And that sort of thing. So, he, but this very generic term that he used at the time, you know, let's go for a low carb diet. And and he advocated too that, you know, maybe not more than five, ten, fifteen percent or so of the total calories ought to be carbohydrate, at least at the beginning. And what that meant, if you're going to take out carbohydrate out of the diet, what do we have left? If we're getting enough calories, 
is only two things. Protein, from animals, by the way, and fat, protein fat. So the idea from uh, uh, Atkins Corner was to denigrate the whole food plant-based diet by claiming it's a high-carbohydrate diet, and we don't need that to cause a lot of problems. And then he, to justify what he was saying, and his successors did the same, what, what they were doing over the years was to find some fault with refined carbohydrate sugars. And yes, there are, there is, are some faults. We don't want to add a lot of salt and a lot of sugar to our diet, that's for sure. Um, it, it's ages old that we know that sugar consumption of that sort can lead to dental caries. That's one thing. But they were making out like, you know, this, this uh, high-carb diet is what really caused all our problems in the recent decades. That's nonsense. Everybody's nonsense. And so um, they started really unloading on the idea that sugar is bad, um, and, and they never really made a distinction. If they just had stopped and said, you know, it's refined carbohydrate, sugar, namely, we could have a conversation because I don't want to overconsume that. But it, it was, the conversation was out there was kind of dangling, you know, just no carbohydrate, no, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that really was putting the kibosh on the whole fruit plant-based diet idea in many ways. And so I have not seen the data where even refined sugar is that terrible. I mean, I, I happen to believe that, you know, we got to limit that kind of sugar intake for sure. There are a lot of claims, a lot of personal claims about that sort of thing. But I like to rely on the science, and I'm not sure where there's much, very impressive evidence to show that that's a problem. And so that's been my thinking. And it just happens yesterday. I happened to got a phone call from the man who knows more about this. He's a brilliant scientist from Canada than, than anyone in the world. He's, he's a diabetologist. He works with diabetes and sugar. And he just sort of offered up to me, and I hadn't talked to him before. He said, you know, I don't really believe all this stuff about the sugar. I think it's going way overboard. And I said... Uh, his name is David. I said, David, the fact that you said that and who you are, I said, that just laid it, laid it down for me. Uh, so I think the sugar story has been exaggerated, and the reason for the exaggeration has been uh, an exaggeration, as I say, is misrepresentation, because they don't, don't talk about the refined carbohydrates. That, that's one thing, but the, the uh, exaggeration, in, in fact, the genesis for that idea is to attack the whole food plant-based diet. And therefore, we can go back to eating lots and lots of protein and fat. And we all know what foods that, that gives us. So that's the story. That is such a fascinating story. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is people really do like sweets. That's our natural, I'm, I'm told, mother's milk is high in, in sugar, and so we just like sweet. And yet it seems like more people are willing to let go of that then let go of animal foods. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah, that's a good point. That's exactly right. Um, I, I don't know why, but that's what they do. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't need to over-consume, as I say, the refined sugars, the table sugar, that's for sure. Let's cut it down and keep it. We don't need that. Let's well, go back to the whole foods. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and of course, in addition to the China study, one of your other books that's so wonderful is Whole, which really explains the idea that whole foods that grows from the ground, it's got the stuff in it we need. If we stick with those, we should be okay. So I find it interesting, as you gentlemen are about to uh, embark on the Healing America tour, that we've just started out with talking about healing Maybe someday <laughs> this rift uh, between um, health professionals who are kind of taking a, a different look at uh, at human nutrition and hopefully making some peace there. But, oh, my gosh, you guys want to make peace in the whole country. So, uh, Nelson, I do want to step back and talk about the Plant Pure movie in a minute, but I'm so excited about Healing America. So let's jump in with that. Tell us about the Healing America campaign. Okay, um, as you mentioned, uh, we released our film, Plant Pure Nation, in 2015, and we used the platform that we created through that film to do everything that we've done since, and we've done uh, some interesting things through our nonprofit. Uh, we have uh, these plant-based support groups that we've started around the country called PODs, and we have an OASIS program, uh, which is going to be, which has been testing strategies for getting education and uh, affordable food into underserved uh, communities. 
And then we've done a number of things through our company, Plant Pure, um, all focused on um, helping to educate people on this idea and then providing the practical support, especially the food that they need to sustain their commitment to this lifestyle. And we, everything that we've done has really been geared toward what we're getting ready to do, which is to bundle all of this together um, and then utilizing a new social networking platform that we've developed, uh, launch a community-wide health campaign around this idea of plant-based nutrition in a selected city. And as we do that, we're going to film what we do so we can see how an entire community can come together around this idea, how we can actually resolve our health care crisis working in a bottom-up way in a community. And what we're hoping happens is as people follow us, because we're going to cut short videos and we're going to stream those out through social media and other channels, we're hoping that people say, hey, we'd like to bring that model to our community and that we inspire people then to help make that happen so that we can you know, scale this down across the country. Um, to kick all of this off, my dad and I are going to go on a tour uh, starting January 20th in Tampa, Florida, and we're going to go through cities across the country, and we're going to deliver a presentation that we have been long discussing but have never done before. And this presentation will um, kind of lay a ideological foundation for what it is that we're going to do through this community model. Um, we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of ideas, uh, but, you know, we're going to start with nutrition and biology, but we're going to go beyond that. We're also going to talk about economics, the environment, government, and there's a theme that runs through the talk, which is, you know, learning how to see the world through a more holistic lens so we can see larger truths that bring us together. Um, I think that it's time for us to make this idea bigger, to make it bigger than just our individual health. And I think if we do that, we can bring a lot of people together and we can make this more of a social and political movement. And, and that will provide a really good platform for what we want to do with this, this community model. That is so thrilling because certainly health is one of the things that everybody wants. We could disagree on everything else, but nobody's going to say, I want a heart attack. So that we've, <laughs> we've already got peace on earth as far as that one is concerned. And even some of these other things, I mean, even in terms of animals, you know, everybody loves their dog. Nobody wants to see animals suffering. And a lot of people are, are eating these products because they really believe they need to. I mean, I remember my, my mother uh, telling my daughter, well, grandma has to eat fish and cottage cheese for her cholesterol. And I'm thinking, you have to eat it so that you'll have higher cholesterol. But, you know, it, it's so hard sometimes. And to really get out there with these these reasons for coming together, I find just as exciting as, as can be. So you're going to launch the community model in Durham, North Carolina. A reason for choosing Durham? Yeah, and I should I should qualify that. I think that's what we're going to do. We're probably 95% uh, toward finalizing that decision. But the reason that we're thinking Durham is just because it's close. Um, I'm, I'm based in North Carolina and uh, want to be uh, available to be involved to really push the project forward. It's, it's going to be important that that first project be successful. And um, essentially what we're going to do is, is we're going to set up a series of projects on this platform that we're developing, the social networking platform. And each project will have an admin or a leader. And groups and individuals from the community will be able to join that project. And the project will have a mission and a plan, an evolving plan. Uh, the group will have the ability to set up offline meetings and uh, video conferences. And then uh, the groups will have the ability to post resources in support of the project. So the whole platform is really geared toward enabling people to come together and work together around a specific project. And so we've got you know, seven or eight different projects already in mind targeting different sectors of the community. But it's all going to be driven in a very 
grassroots way by by other people in the community. This isn't a a Plant Pure or Nelson Campbell show. You know, it's really about trying to figure out how we could serve and support other people who help make these things happen. So how are you going to work with the people who feel threatened by this? I'm thinking people who are involved in in animal agriculture, people who, you know, whose livelihoods have to do with animal or, or processed foods. Yeah, so this is something that I, I, I do like to talk about. I, I think we live in a society where there's way too much division and yelling antagonism. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in those various industries who, who got into those industries actually wanting to do good. A lot of a lot of great, you know, farmers who are, who are in that kind of farming. Um, there are many wonderful scientists who got into to the pharmaceutical industry. A lot of people in the healthcare industry went in with the right intentions. And so when we're talking about this, we need to talk about it in a compassionate way, in a humble way, in a way that invites people who may be uh, kind of on the wrong side of history, if you will, to come join us and, and, and also to encourage people in those industries to use their creativity to develop new business models that can take advantage of this transition toward a plant-based world. And so I just think it's important to do this from a standpoint of love and respect and humility and not demonize people or industry. So that's what we're going to do. Is, you know, we're going to be continually inviting. In fact, part of the project that we do in the city will be reaching out to healthcare providers. And, and, and you know, we're going to measure our success by, by, by the inroads that we can make into the healthcare community because they've, they've got to be on the front lines of this change. And they do we're not indeed. Going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to do that if we demonize people or threaten people. It's you know, it's got to be a different approach. Exactly. So, Dr. Campbell, you're a scientist to your core. So, is this a little bit of a different shift, a different way of looking at all of your decades of work up until now? No, not really. Uh, it's actually uh, just a seamless sort of interest. I mean, I spent about 20 years actually during my career involved uh, substantially in the national policy development uh, and international policy development. So I was uh, very much involved in uh, you know, determining what the government should be saying or not saying, if you will, and giving testimony and that sort of thing before congressional committees, et cetera. And so I, I did see firsthand, you know, how, if you will, uh, science is being translated into, you know, public statements, business statements, too. And so I, I, with my colleagues, we work together with people from the corporate world, obviously, and some of these things, for sure. And so I did get a pretty strong uh, experience for quite a number of years in this area. And, I, and, and more recent years, I've become so passionate and interested in this idea because I think we now have the science that is entirely defensible. You know, for this idea, and so one of the things that has bothered me, you know, it was time, is uh, just recognizing there's an awful lot of people in this country who don't know this, uh, but I think would like to know it. And then you can sort of ask the question, well, how, you know, how can you get those people informed? And so I've been writing something on on this question here more recently, and and, and the corporate sector needs to be part of that equation, obviously. And uh, it's, a, it's a question of just sort of sorting out what are some of the factors that might encourage change. And, of course, we need to know the kind of factors that don't encourage change. And I think what Nelson has in mind you know, with his national program and the apologies, that sort of thing is, is just sort of trying to develop ideas and products and services that are deliverable, especially to the people most likely not to get this kind of information. So this, what, this whole idea of the economics and social sort of factors that play into this game, yeah, I, I'm very much enthused about that. So it's not really different from the laboratory in many ways. Well, I guess life is kind of a laboratory when you look at it in that way. Right. We're all so, to some extent, so I just scared but. Well, thus far, and even just, I know you both travel and, and speak a lot, even though the Healing America tour is going to be starting later this month, but 
Do you get a similar response across across the socioeconomic board? You know, a lot of people, there's a little ad in in the subway up here in New York City that's kind of making fun of, of this kind of diet and calling it elitist. I mean, I don't see that, and I think that's why I call what I do Main Street Vegan, because if you can't have it on Main Street, it's not going to change the world. There aren't enough people on Park Avenue to do that. So so what do you hear from people out there? Do you hear that it's expensive or difficult? Or tell us tell us what you're hearing from the people. Well, first, um, I, I think that, that there has been a bias in the past uh, toward the idea of, of focusing on more affluent communities, you know, kind of the uh, term I've heard before is the whole food demographic. And I've never believe that. You know, I've always lived and spent a good part of my life in smaller towns in the country. And uh, I think people everywhere uh, care about their health. It's really in how you communicate the message. And you have to do it in a way that resonates with people's personal values. And, of course, you have to recognize, too, that you're not going to reach everyone regardless of their socioeconomic status. And, And so, but what we want to do is we want to plant as many seeds as possible, and you can do that with any any group of people. And, in fact, one of the, the things that we're going to do through this campaign and through this community model that I, I mentioned is we're going to give a lot of attention to some of those neighborhoods in the past that have been bypassed. Um, there are a lot of um, you know underserved areas that uh, experiencing very high rates of disease and who lack access to affordable, healthy food. And so uh, we're going to try to tackle that. And, and one of the ways we're going to do it is we're talking to a, a, a company now that may join with us in a, a project to develop a line of ultra-inexpensive plant-based entrees that we can mass-produce and then deliver through our nonprofit without any profit markup, you know, into some of these uh, underserved neighborhoods. So, wow, that's... Um, yeah, so so I'm confident. I don't think a person's socioeconomic status needs to matter. It's just how we communicate. Well, that's the yeah, whole thing. That. Go ahead, Dr. Campbell. Yeah, you know, on a question concerning communication, I, you know, being in the business of education most of my life in a way, um, I, I think the question concerning, you know, the availability of appropriate knowledge is, is a major question concerning, you know, who knows the knowledge and who doesn't. I mean, there are sectors in our society who really don't have access into this kind of information for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, and in reality, and I've seen this at, you know, very senior levels, there are uh, efforts of course, made by industries and others who are affected by this kind of information, there's actually concerted efforts made uh, to actually keep the conversation confusing and actually to, in a sense, control the knowledge that is out there. And what I'm talking about, this is something I've seen a lot in terms of policy development at the governmental level, that we, we have options as to how we say things, how we interpret things. And what I have so often experienced is that if we say, you know, adjectives are one of the most dangerous uh, word forms that I know of because we can have a certain set of facts, and one group of people can have certain adjectives to use to describe that, and the other group has a different group. And it, it depends a lot on the nuance of the message and how you say it. And so uh, oftentimes we oftentimes are required to say something that, you know, in a way that um, actually, you know, that favors the producers rather than the consumers. I mean, it's a big topic I'm touching on here, but uh, really the whole idea of how do you convey knowledge uh, is a really big issue because a lot of the people who are underserved, you know, not getting access to information, there's a reason for that to a great extent. They're not the ones necessarily that have the funding uh, to do what needs what others think they should do, but that's just that's that's the way it is. And so I, I'm all about you know finding ways how you, how can you communicate this information 
the various rights to do that. You do that, of course, Victoria, with your program here, which I think is excellent to take that approach, and that's what Nelson's doing, too. So, yeah. Oh, we're all out there <laughs> trying to make it better. And I just have to say, Dr. Campbell, I, as someone who's, you know, is no longer young, I think uh, you would uh, agree to that chronologically, you are embarking on this giant tour. <laughs> and there's either something utterly remarkable about you, well, we know there is, or this diet is just beyond incredible. <laughs> So that, that alone yeah. is uh, is stunning. So, you know, at a time in life when most people just kind of want to rest, you're going off across America with the, the attitude of healing it, which is pretty spectacular. So, Nelson, what do you and your father plan to talk about on this tour? Well, it's, it's really the theme running through this uh, talk will be uh, learning to see the world uh, more holistically. And you cited my dad's book, Whole, earlier. It's really the theme that's discussed in that book from a nutritional standpoint. Um, but we're going we're gonna to start out uh, on the stage just seated together, and we're going to have a, a conversation. And, you know, there's a certain storyline and flow, and flow to the conversation that, that we're going to have, and we'll do that. Uh, for about an hour or so, and then we're going to open it up to a Q&A with the audience, which is always a lot of fun, and I think it's going to be especially fun this time around because we're going to be talking about all kinds of issues of interest to people. But we're going the theme is going to be you know, learning how to see the world through a more holistic lens to discover larger truths that have the capacity to unify us and to join us in common, common cause. And we're going to start uh, discussing this concept uh, initially through uh, uh, relating to nutrition and biology. And then we're going to move from that to uh, a discussion about sort of the, lar- the rest of nature, you know, beyond just individual biology. And so we're going to talk about the environment. We're going to talk about climate change. And then we're going to pivot and transition to some economic discussion and eventually even some political discussion uh, all along the way, looking at these topics through a more holistic lens and communicating ideas perhaps that people haven't thought about before. And then thinking about these ideas, maybe discovering that we have a lot more in common than we thought we had. And, and the whole purpose of this is really to lead up to, to, to the end and a presentation of this uh, strategy that we're going to pursue after the tour around this idea of community empowerment in the specific model that we're going to be demonstrating, which I actually believe uh, has you know far uh, repercussions that go far beyond health. You know, this this particular model that we're that we're going to be focused on could really be used to solve any social problem. And I think the, the, the idea of focusing on you know, how, how to empower communities to fix problems could actually provide a third way uh, to bring people from both the left and the right together uh, in a more unified, in a more unified uh, manner. And that's what I said at the beginning. I said I think we need to make this more social and political, and, and we need to, to communicate this in a way that makes the tent bigger and brings people together um, and I think we're going to see uh, more transformative and faster change if we do that. That is so exciting. And I know we have an international audience, and you're talking here about Healing America. But I think for all of us, we start where we are. And a lot of people uh, look to this country and kind of say, oh, what are they doing over there in the States? And, oh, my gosh, if we were able to solve our health care problems and get more people eating good food, that uh, could potentially go a long way to heal the entire planet. So the specific website for Healing America, everybody, is HealingAmericaTogether.com. I just watched the little trailer, and it's fabulous. It's short. You'll love it. And you can also find out more of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Plant Pure Nation. So, Nelson, I, I know you were going to be on a year or two ago about Plant Pure Nation, and that didn't work out. So just just give us the short version for anybody who has not yet watched uh, Plant Pure Nation. Tell us about that film. 
So it's a story-driven documentary that is uh, really focused on answering the question, how could this health message have been suppressed for so long? Because information, uh, you know, uh, pointing in this direction existed back in the 70s, actually, much of that through my father's research. And, of course, he spent a lot of time in Washington trying to communicate this to policymakers to no avail. Um, so it's been around for a while, and, 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 uh, and, and this film uh, shows uh, very vividly uh, the ways in which a health message like this could have been suppressed for so long. Um, it starts in Kentucky, and it veers back through North Carolina and back to Kentucky, and it's, uh, it's, it's got a lot of drama. Um, it's um, very political because uh, we start out in, in a legislative uh, sequence in Kentucky, and which fails, and then go back to North Carolina to kind of prove our point, and then we take the, the results from that back to reengage with the legislature in Kentucky. And uh, so it's a, it's a very interesting film that holds your attention, and it's very It does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, if people haven't seen it. They can still they can still see it on Netflix. We're coming up toward the end of our two year contract, um, but it'll still be available after that on Amazon and uh, some other places. And also, we'll put it up for free on YouTube. Okay, that's very cool. So, Dr. Campbell, what message is closest to your heart right now, January 2018? What do you want to get out to the world? Gosh, that's a $60 million question. Um, I, I, I just want the, the public, the unknowing public, I guess you could say, uh, I just want them to get to know this information because I find it just so powerful. The message just said, I mean, it has ramifications of all sorts. And the information, you know, from the scientific side, I, I know just talking about science alone is not terribly convincing to a lot of people, and I understand that. Uh, but I did uh, actually, and during the past year, go back and sort of ask myself, you know, what are the key elements in the argument, the scientific elements in the argument, that uh, may not be serving us as well as it might? And so I uh, wrote, actually, it turned out uh, a total of six papers since about two years ago. Five of them were actually for this, this year, and they're all peer-reviewed, open access uh, papers on PubMed, for those who know that, that's a... That's the National Library of Medicine sort of site. In any case, I, in those papers, I, I got involved in going back and asking questions about the history of this field to try to understand you know, where from did some of our biases come from and some of the, quite frankly, the hostility that exists now. Uh, and I, I actually did that way back 30 years ago when I was uh, in England at the University of Oxford and got into some of the old history. And I, th I just felt like I discovered something about our history that really illustrates why today, you know, this message is not as clear as it otherwise could be. And when I say this message, I'm not talking about just plant-based diets. I'm talking about the subject of nutrition in general. That science ought to be part of our medical system, and it's not. It just simply is not. So uh, the question then was, why not? Where did that come from? And until we solve that problem, uh, I think we got a big impediment in front of us to even talk about whole food plant-based diets. So what, to answer your question, you know, what would I like to see happen? I, I wish, I'd, I'd like to see a conversation start on the knowledge itself, you know, the structure of the knowledge. What does it say? How much of it is true? You know, are there any mythologies that we keep repeating over and over again? You know, not to our, not to our benefit. And there are. And so um, I, I just... I don't know, it's made me, me talking in this case, but I actually find uh, those kind of discussions really get into the nitty-gritty of asking ourselves, well, why do we believe that? Why not do this this way, not, why not that way? And seeking the opinions of all sorts of people, getting them involved in this. And so, I don't know, it, it's a bit of a challenge, but I, I think the science, if we don't get the science right, and I think it can demonstrate this quite well, actually, if we don't get the science right, then the public, you know, who are using the information, delivering information from others, they're not going to get it necessarily right either because yeah. under those circumstances, we're subject to, you know, whimsical notions of what people say. 
That is a perfect ending, although I would love to talk with you gentlemen for another hour. But all the information will be on the show notes at Main Street Vegan. Remember, HealingAmericaTogether.com is the website. Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Nelson Campbell of Plant Pure Nation and Plant Pure Communities, thank you so much. We will be catching you on the tour and looking for that next film. Um, thanks to Rob Mills and his wonderful song, Vegan Girls, which you all will be hearing a lot more of. And thanks to Unity Online Media and Jeff Comfort, our engineer, for hosting for yet another year. And to all of you, God bless you. Eat your veggies. is formless yet takes many forms what goes around comes around chant the name of the lord and be free no one comes to the father except through me ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions join reverend paul john roach every tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions using discussions interviews humor insight and practice advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Every day we're faced with countless decisions, some seemingly insignificant, others life-changing. In each situation, we want to consider all the options. But in an effort to choose wisely, I may become anxious and confused, thinking that my peace of mind depends upon making the right decision. Perhaps this is backwards thinking. Actually, beginning with peace of mind helps me make good decisions. Peace is not the result of a particular circumstance, but the very cause that keeps me calm no matter what I'm facing. Inner peace clears my mind of doubt and allows me to see what would serve me best. When I have to make a choice, I remember, for every question there is an answer, and that answer begins with the peace I already have. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, In every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God. Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. 
got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to unity.org and click on Publications. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the Mind Body Spirit.fm podcast network.